Everybody say praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and tell them they look really good in the house of the Lord. My, 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 what a time to live for God. All kinds of stuff going on. But in the middle of all of that, our God is still real and still here. Amen. Thank God. It's so good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Glad all of you here. Visitors, saints of God, we're happy you're here. We're glad to be here. Good to see Bishop and Sister Stevens. Love them. Appreciate them. And our good friends, Brother and Sister Green. They just celebrated 17 years. Amen, 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 amen. They got three beautiful little munchkins. They got a little furball at home. They got a beautiful home. They got a beautiful spirit. I love the greens. I love their spirit. I love their drive. I love their desire to see God move in other people's lives. Amen? Hey, thank God. And, and so I'm happy to be with you today. Let me go to the word of the Lord, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 12. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 9, verse 12. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare. So are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Going back to the first part of this scripture. For man also knoweth not his time. Let me talk to you about the battle for eternity. Lord bless you today. You can be seated. I feel an urgency in the Holy Ghost today. I feel a, 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 a pulling, a drawing in the Holy Ghost, a stirring in the Holy Ghost today. Felt it before I got here. Felt it when I drove up on the grounds. When I walked into the building, I, I feel the stirring of God's Spirit. In this whole community, in this whole area, God is moving. He's talking to your neighbors. He's talking to your children. He's talking to your cousins. He's talking to those at the grocery store, talking to those on the job. Just had a man tell me when I came into the building and I greeted him, and he began to tell me that on the job this week they had a discussion about God and about eternity and, and about things that are going on in life. And I want you to understand, we're living in a, a, a kind of a crazy hour, but we're living in an hour of opportunity for the church because people are concerned and stirred today like they have never been. And that's a good thing, praise God. I said it's a good thing. And I, I, want, I want people to be stirred. I want them to be concerned. I don't want them to be afraid because our God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind, praise God. We don't have to be afraid. We can be concerned, but not afraid. We can be concerned and, and, and reach out to our neighbors and our friends and our family. If you're here today and somebody invited you to the house of God, they did you the greatest favor they could have done. 
more than paying off your mortgage, more than taking care of your kids while you go on vacation, if they have invited you to the house of God, they've invited you to a place where eternity can be secured for your soul and for the souls of your babies, for the souls of your husband, your wife. I want you to understand we're in a battle today. We don't need to be lackadaisical. We don't need to be unconcerned. We, we don't need to be afraid, but we don't want to be unconcerned because we are in a battle. You may not see it, but we've got our armor on. We've got our breastplate of righteousness. We've got our shield of faith. We've got our sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've got our helmet of salvation. We've got our shoes on, ready to go, praise God. I noticed the lady that was talking about the quizzers. One of her feet's got a cast or something on it, and I thought she'd been kicking something, praise God. It's time to kick the devil out. It's time to kick doubts out. It's time to kick fears out. It's time to kick it into gear and go with all your might for God. Hallelujah. Lead your neighbor and tell them it's time to get going. I want to talk to you about the battle for eternity. Because, friend, this is, this is not just a little contest. This is the greatest battle that will ever be waged in the history of the world. I want to go to heaven. I want to spend an eternity in heaven. I want to go to that new heaven and new earth. I want to see that mansion with my name on it. I want to walk down that street of gold. I want to go through that gate of pearl. I want to see the walls of jasper. I want to go down by the river of life. I want to taste of the fruit of the tree of life. I want to be there, praise God. This is a battle for eternity. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord all over the building in Jesus' name. Look your neighbor and say, this is not a little skirmish. This is an all-out battle. When you're in a battle, you don't need to have your mind messed up with other things. When you're fighting, you don't need to let your attention get off the battle because an enemy might come up and catch you unaware. I don't have time for a lot of foolishness right now. I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Are you engaged? Are you, are you ready to go to war this morning? Are you ready to battle over souls this morning? Are you ready to fight the fight of faith? Praise God. And pray people through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Friends, if you're visiting today, you come to a good place because this is a great church. It's got a great history. It's got a, a marvelous future ahead of it. The Greens, I was thinking about them a while ago and what God showed me the very first Sunday I walked in here. God showed me a vision of six other churches that are going to be built out of this church, praise God. Some of you are going to be used to pastor those churches. Some of you are going to be used to put a foundation of hope and truth in the lives, praise God. They're not nearly about done. They're not nearly about through. You see, Brother Green going through a little hard time. It's not forever. Everybody say it's not forever. It's a little bit of a hard time right now, but he's coming out, praise God, and he's going higher and further and better. He's going to have a greater anointing, a greater understanding, a greater compassion. Oh, clap your hands all over the building. Seventeen beautiful years. 
How many, how many in here have been married 17 years? Let me see your hand. How about 25 years? If you've been married, how about 40 years? That's incredible. How about 50 years? 50 years. My wife and I in January will celebrate 51 years. I want to ask you a question. Those of you that have been married 25 years, how many of y'all have had no problems? How many of you fellas never made a mistake? <laughs> preacher was preaching about perfection one time, and he said, uh, of course, none of us are perfect. And he stopped and he said, well, let me ask, anybody here perfect? One little old gentleman in the back, about 80 years old, stood up. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, this is unusual, sir. Are you perfect? He said, no, I'm standing in honor of my wife's late first husband. <laughs> he was perfect. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. No, no, we've all got shortcomings. We've all got things we battle through. We've all got things we're overcoming. But the good part is we're overcoming, praise God. We're going higher. We're doing better. We're getting things put behind us, praise God. The things of our youth we're putting aside, and we're being mature saints of God. The battle for eternity. I, I just got, I got to tell you that I just feel an urgency to get somebody to understand. Today you've come to the house of God, but what you've come to is a skirmish line. You've come to a battlefield because whether you realize it or not, whether you're in church or not, you're battling for your soul. You're battling for your eternal soul. You say, well, I'm not going to come to church. I'm not going to get involved. You're going to still be in the battle. You, somebody said, well, man, I didn't have this problem in the church. Don't come here with that. I under, I, it's been 46 years since I've had the Holy Ghost, but I well remember what was going on before I got it. And it wasn't a bowl of cherries, I can tell you now. It wasn't all a fruit salad, praise God. There was a lot of mess we were having to deal with. And if you got God on your side, I'd rather be going through a battle with God on my side than living in a mess without God, praise God. I'd rather have to lay some things down and get God on my side than to try to go through life without him. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to name three things today that are, you're going to be in danger of. You're going to be battling against for eternity. The first of those things is your own flesh. We have been led to believe that the worst enemy we have is the devil. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's a lie. That's false. That's somebody that doesn't have a true understanding of what's really going on. Our own nature is our worst enemy. We've learned habits. We've been born with feelings, and we've been born with an inclination. Every man and woman that was born of flesh, I'm going to tell you, they were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We're under the curse of Adam and Eve and the deception that happened there and, and, and the place that they lived in. We were born with it in us. The only place you can get out of it, the only way you can get beyond it is get born again into another family. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. I'm getting out of that 
that old lineage. I'm getting out of that old bloodline. I'm getting into a brand new lineage. I'm getting into a brand new bloodline, praise God. I'm not the old man. I'm not the one I used to be. I don't have the same inclinations. I've got God on my side. There's been a lot of talk. Been a lot of talk the last few years about uh, under judgment because you were born in a certain family and you had certain things working against you. I'm I'm just going to tell you something right now. When you get born again of the water and the spirit, you become a new creature. It's a real thing. It's not just words in a book. You really do get a new mind. You really do get a new heart. You really do get new feelings. Those old ones will try to come back, but you just got to put them back down and say, nope, I laid you aside at the altar. I'm not picking you back up again. I'm going on in the newness of life. I'm going on in the newness of the Spirit, praise God. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures here just so you can have an understanding. I'm not just talking off the top of my head. In the book of John, first epistle of John, second chapter, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen to this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There are three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were told you can have any tree in that garden except that one tree. You know, that's just the way it is in life. The devil would like to paint it so that, oh, man, you can't do anything. That is a lie. You can't have any fun. I have more fun today than I ever had in my life. I got more joy than I've ever had in my life. I didn't have fun and joy that much in the world. There was a lot of struggling going on. But I'm telling you now, we've been given joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've been given peace that passes understanding. We've been given a peace that you can lay down at night on your bed and just go to sleep and not worry about what's going on, praise God. Amen, 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 amen. But when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God told them, have anything you want except that one tree. They should have built them a fence 12 feet tall around that tree. They should have cut into the root and killed the thing. Got rid of it, praise God. But they didn't. And the Bible said that Eve went over. You know, I'm just going to tell you something. She made herself accessible by going over to that tree. Don't make yourself accessible to the enemy. Don't go where things are. My father-in-law used to have a saying. He said, if you don't want to get shot, don't go where they shoot. (laughs) Pretty simple. If you don't want to get caught in sin, don't go where they're sinning. Don't get involved in it. Don't fool with it. Leave it alone. Get away from it. Go, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Paul said when it comes to sin, be simple. Just be, just leave it alone. Just don't talk about it. Just don't get involved in it. Just leave it, praise God. Adam and Eve should have known better. Eve went over close enough to that tree, and then the enemy came along. 
And he began to talk to her, and he began to tell her some things. And the Bible said she looked at that tree, and it was good to look at. That's the lust of the eyes. It was good to eat. That's the lust of the flesh. And she thought it would make her wiser. I'm just going to tell you right now, anything that gets you out of the will of God is not making you wiser. You're dumb as a rock when you get out of the will of God. You're doing things that are harming your own soul. But that, that thing that she had, we have warring against us. Everything that looks good is not good for you. Everything that tastes good is not good for you. I've been battling diabetes for a few years, and I know some of you have had the same battle. I've learned one secret to diabetes. If you want to live through diabetes, if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> Banana pudding's not good for you. Chocolate cake's not good for you. Now, every once in a while, it'll grab you by the hand and pull you over too close, and you'll get it on your fingers, and you got to lick it off. But you got to be careful just because something seems like it'll make you smarter. Brother, I'm just telling you, if it takes you out of the will of God, I'd rather folks think that I'm a dunce and stand on the street corner, don't know anything, and live for God than folks to look at me and think I'm wise and go to hell. Anybody going to hell is not wise. Anybody that's living for, for without God is not wise. We, we in our nation make a big thing out of sports heroes. And, and they, they barely get out of school and have to be tutored. And the grades got to be changed to get them out of school most of the time because they're big old hulking muscle men that they can run with a football and they can shoot through a hoop and all of that. And then we get into a political race or whatever, and we want to bring them in and let them be voices of authority. And they can't make a sentence. I'm telling you now, I want somebody that's going to, trying to go to heaven to speak into my world. I don't want somebody speaking into my life that don't know where they're going. I don't want somebody with wrong priorities speaking into my heart. I want to go to heaven. I want my children in heaven. I want my grandchildren in heaven. You got to be careful what voice you're listening to, praise God. Clap your hands all over the building in Jesus' name. Let me read a little bit more. James 1, 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither hath tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Everybody say, his own lust. Now, let me tell you, if the devil is nothing else, he's at least experienced. He's not all that smart, but he's had a long time dealing with humanity and dealing with folks, and he's learned what works and what won't work with people. There's certain things that the devil would be wasting his time if he came and tried to entice you with them because you have a natural repulsion for them. It's just, uh-uh. The devil would be totally wasting his time to come and try to entice me with snuff or tobacco of any form. I used to smoke years and years and years ago, many, many years ago, over 50 years ago. I don't anymore. Now it stinks. 
But the devil can make people think that that helps their nerves when really it makes their nerves worse. The devil can make them think they need one just to settle them down. They need a little drink just to settle them down. When everything that, that history tells you, everything that science tells you, it makes it worse, not better. But the enemy is, is a deceiver, and he's, he's he camouflages sin so that it don't look like sin. But I'm here to tell you something. The devil knows what your own lust is. He knows what can get under your hide. He knows what can get into your mind. He knows what can, oh, my Lord, in heaven, in Jesus' name. The things you're naturally appealing to you that are wrong, the devil's going to use those to try to get to you. we got to be smart enough to put blinders on. We got to get smart enough to not look at it. We got to get smart enough to not smell of it. We got to get smart enough to say, hey, I got my mind on heaven. I don't have time for this. I got my mind on going to be with God. I don't have time for this. The flesh, the flesh, a friend of mine, first man I ever won to the Lord was a black man. Six foot eight, 245 pounds, he wore a 52 coat and had a 32-inch waist. He was one big dude. His arms were big as my legs. And he got the Holy Ghost. I, I, I left work one day at noon and went and baptized him in Jesus' name. And three days later at church, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And then filled his wife with the Holy Ghost. And then filled some of his children with the Holy Ghost. And then called him to preach. And he started preaching. And then, and then he got in trouble, got thrown in jail because he'd, he had a conviction against him for marijuana possession before he got the Holy Ghost. They throwed him in and said he was going to stay six months. He stayed 29 days and they turned him loose. Because he had everybody in the jail wanting to get baptized. Everybody in the jail wanted to call the preacher. Everybody in the jail wanted to call the priest. Everybody was looking for mama or daddy or somebody. He could sing and he would, he, would, he would get there at night and get to singing. And he was so big, nobody would say anything to him. They sing with him. 6'8", 245". He stood flat on the floor and did crown molding. I sing with him too. He had hands so big he would pray for you and they would drape down around your ears and your nose and everywhere else. He's just praying for you, praise God. But he didn't call it the flesh. He called it the flosh. The flosh going to get you. The flesh going to drag you down. I thank God that me and him had a lot of good days on the job. We shouted on the job several times because of people getting the Holy Ghost that he was preaching to, praise God. We brought people and baptized them in ponds. We got people and baptized them in mud holes. I'm telling you what, God was moving in a magnificent way. We had the flesh under control, praise God. If you can get that flesh under control, you can live for God. If you can put your foot on top of your own old man, you can live for God. You can have victory. You can have faith. Praise God. Oh, my Lord, clap your hands, raise your hand. Love God a little bit. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. The flesh is not your friend. It's not your friend. But I'm going to tell you what, we've got victory over the flesh. We've got victory over it because we have the Word.
And the word is forever settled in heaven. And the word is greater than my flesh. We've got the blood, and the blood has washed my flesh. The blood has washed my mind. The blood has washed my spirit, praise God. And the blood is able to testify. When the blood testifies that I cleaned him, and the water testifies I washed him, and the spirit testifies I filled him. You got something good going on for you, brother, because the flesh will someday die, but the blood and the spirit and the word and the name will never die, praise God. I've got something that's eternal working on my temporal man. Come on, clap your hand to the Lord in Jesus' name. <sighs> let, me read, let me read something. I love the word. Don't you love the word? I love the word of God. And the word of God gives us something a little secretive here in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. I want to read you something. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Friend, I'm not playing on the devil's battlefield. We're going to play on my field. Or better yet, we're going to play on God's field. You can't get in the flesh and then battle the flesh. You can't get in the flesh and battle the devil. You get in the spirit and then battle the devil. Praise God. Hallelujah. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I heard two guys talking one time, and they were having a little bit of a uh, disagreement. Matter of fact, it was a little more than disagreement. It was done got hot. And one of them said, well, I guess we're going to box and we're going to wrestle. And others said, no, we're going to fight. I might bite you. I might gouge your eye. It ain't going to be pretty, but I'm going to win. That's the way we got to be with the devil. We're not playing fair with the devil. I heard somebody tell me one time, they told me, Preacher, you're being a little bit too hard on your kids. That's not fair. I said, I put them to bed at night with angels around them. I put them to bed at night with peaceful thoughts in their mind. I put them to bed at night with God all over them. I'm not putting them to bed with devils around them. I'm not putting them to bed with all kinds of garbage going on in their life. I want you to know I didn't come to fight fair. I came to win. Anybody else come to win? Anybody else ready to go to battle with the devil, with the flesh, with the world? Praise God. I can't. Oh, my Lord. You ought to say it. I came to win. I came to win. I'm determined to win. I'm not going to play fair. I'm going to win. Praise God. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Brother, we got weapons that are mighty through God. When we're in the spirit, the devil can't do a thing with us. When you're in the flesh, the devil can mess you up. But when you get in the spirit and begin to walk in the spirit, talk in the spirit, when you take possession of things that are yours and God has given you, when you take dominion over the devil and command him away, when you take dominion over thoughts and command them to become in obedience to Christ, I'm telling you now, we have weapons that will work, praise God. They will work. Let me read a little further. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Everybody say they're not carnal. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds is a spiritual entity 
that has been established for a long time. It's a spiritual thing. It's demons that have got possession of a place or they're acting in a place and they've got possession of that. It's, it's strongholds, but our weapons are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. There are strongholds in Austin, Texas, but I'm telling you right now, this church has all the weapons it needs to pull the strongholds down. There are devils that have set up their, their kingdom right here, but I'm telling you now, this church don't have to back up or blow around that street. You can go down every street in Austin, and you get victory on every one of them because the weapons of our warfare are body through God. Amen. Pulling down strongholds, that is a spiritual thing. Casting down imaginations, that's a mental thing. Imaginations. What you're imagining. Imagination is a beautiful thing when you can have it in a creative way. It's a horrible thing when you let it get out of hand. And it begins to reproduce or produce things that are not real. Imagination looks into the, into the void and pulls things out that are not real. Imagination can make you think the devil is 10 feet tall when he's not. The Bible tells me in one place that one day he'll be cast down and men will look at him and say, that's what messed me up. That's what got the best of me. That's what got me in trouble. I'm just telling you now, if you could see it in reality. Somebody said, well, the devil's got a third of the angels on his side. Yeah, but honey, we got two-thirds on our side. I said, we got two-thirds on our side. I'll take two-thirds over one-third any day of the week. Imagination, it brings them into subjection. It makes them line up where they need to be. It gives you victory over those things. In every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, where's the knowledge of God? It's right here. Between my ears, knowledge of the Word. I was looking at these young people up here a while ago. They are installing eternal things into their being. They're putting the Word of God into their mind. The, the devil's going to have a hard time bothering these kids because they know what the Word says. And the Word says, you can look at the devil and say, get behind me, Satan. And the devil don't have any choice. He's got to go, praise God. I'm just telling you, you can bring into subjection every high thing. That's one spiritual thing and two mental things. And then bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts can come through your mind. The devil can inject a thought into your mind. You get a pain in your side and imagination gets crazy. Oh, that's cancer. You get, you get your your little book, and you start looking in your book at your medical diagnosis. We got a world full of doctors today. All you got to do is tell somebody you had a pain somewhere, and they'll tell you 10 things wrong with you. And you'll lay down at night. Was Brother Joe said I probably got cancer. His cousin had a pain like that, and he had cancer. No, Sister Susie said it may be my appendix. I might have a cancer in my appendix. And your mind just goes crazy 
But if you will allow it, the, the weapons of our warfare will bring all of those thoughts back into subjection under Christ. I prayed about it. God's got a hold of it. God's going to take care of it. I brought it to the throne and left it with him. It's his now. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to go on praising God. I'm just going to go on magnifying God. I had a friend of mine one time up in Ohio. We were living up there, and he was having some problems at work, and they laid him off for a week. He was having some problems in his mind. He'd call me up, and this is going on, and that's going on. I said, brother, that's not real. That's imagination. That's the devil. Leave it alone. So I called him one day. I said, hey, I need a little help on my project, and you got some time on your hands, and since you and the devil's been having our little wrestling match, come out here and help me on my project. He came out there that morning. I had a 10-acre field I was building a fence around. I said, you see those markers, those stakes? I need a hole dug three foot deep, eight inches in diameter at every one of those. He said, there must be 50 of them. I said, there's more than that, and it's your job. I said, besides that, you see all those T-posts that are laying there every 10 feet? I need you to string a string between those posts once you get them up, and I want you to drive those T-posts down, and I want them all be lined up straight. I don't want them crooked. He said, there's hundreds of them. I said, you're right. About 10 o'clock, I went by him, and sweat was rolling pretty good. He did some kind of work inside and the air conditioning, and he was not really enjoying that post hole digger. And I went by him, and I said, how's it going, Jim? He said, man, I'm about to blow up. I said, yeah, but the devil hadn't told you anything bad, has he? He said, what? I said, you hadn't called me this morning telling me what the devil been telling you. He said, I don't have time. I said, good. You're in a good place. Your mind's getting cleared up. You may be sweating it out, but some of y'all are just letting the devil play in your mind. Get up and mow the yard. Go to the grocery store. Go to the hospital. Quit making it available to the devil. Oh, my Lord. Somebody ought to shout about that. That's a word that you can live with, praise God. Quit letting the devil play with you. Bringing every thought into subjection unto Christ. I told him later, I said, you know, I, I felt like you were getting a little proud. This is a pride breaker. When you start digging those holes and you got rocks in the ground, that's a pride breaker. He said, no, that's a, that's, that's a blister maker. I said, you can pray real good with those hands. Had another little guy there working for me. He said, my wife said she don't like my hands all rough. I said, you put a check in there and hold it out. She'll love that old rough hand. Praise God. Get our minds straightened out. Get it all working right in Jesus' name. All of these things happen. But God's able to give us victory, the weapons of our warfare, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. Brother, I'm just going to tell you now, you can break walls down praying in the Holy Ghost. You can open doors for family members praying in the Holy Ghost. When you start letting the Spirit get a hold of things, I'm telling you now, you'll get victory like you never had. 
That's one of our enemies we got to watch out for is the flesh. When you look in that mirror, don't be telling yourself how fine you look. You be telling yourself, you settle down and behave. You're not getting me in trouble. I've got a friend of mine that's got a wife. And she's a pretty little lady, I guess. And I hope she lives long enough to get ugly enough to go to heaven. Because, brother, there's some folks too pretty for heaven. There's some folks too worried about their hair to go to heaven. Some folks too worried about how they look to get down and pray. I don't care how buff you are. I don't care how big you are. I'm telling you now, they're going to put you in a pine box one day and carry you out and bury you on a hillside. And when they do, I pray that you were humble enough to pray to God. I pray that you were, oh, my Lord, in Jesus' name, you were wise enough to get down and pray and forget about how you look. Live for God with all your heart. Love him, love him, love him. Come on, let's love the Lord a little bit. Thank the Lord. Everybody say, that's good. We have another enemy. We have another enemy. I'm going to read you a little bit about him. I don't worry as much about him as I do about that first one, just being honest with you. I'll I just tell you, we, we, we've got one, though, we have to, we have to contend with. I, I want you to know we, we've got to be careful because we have an enemy who was once an angel in heaven. Lucifer, the devil, old Slewfoot, wherever you want to call him. One writer said, be aware. Be vigilant. Don't, don't, don't get caught looking off because you have an enemy that's always plotting to try to get your stuff and get you in hell. To get, get you out of the will of God, get you out of the place where you can be blessed. You have an enemy that's always trying. The devil does not tarry. He does not, he does not sleep. He does not rest. He's always trying to develop something that gets you out of the will of God. But you know what? I don't worry about him as much as I do the flesh. The biggest thing the devil can do is disguise things and make them appear as though they're not really. In Acts, the 16th chapter, Paul and Silas cast the devil out of a little woman, and the Bible said she had a spirit of divination. If you look in the sideline notes, it said she had a spirit of Apollos or the spirit of a python. Apollos was one of the false gods that they worshipped, and the python was the symbol of Apollos, of a false god. I got to thinking about it one day. Now, around here, we deal with rattlesnakes and coral snakes and moccasins and all of this stuff, that the greatest danger is them striking you and injecting venom into you. But when you start dealing with pythons, it's a different situation. They don't have that bite with the venom in it. But they latch on to you, and then they wrap themselves around you, and they are constrictors. They begin to constrict, or they begin to force the air out of your lungs. I read a story one time, and then I had a friend of mine tell me a story about a, 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 a guy that worked at the zoo. And he, he, he got to tell him one day about how they fed these pythons. They don't want dead stuff. They want something alive. 
they buy little rats and rabbits and throw them in the cage, and this big python is laying there, and he's camouflaged. You don't, you don't really see him real good. He can blend right into the surroundings. He doesn't stand out. He just kind of looks like part of the scenery. And he said these little rats would learn to run in and out that snake's calls while it was laying there because he wasn't hungry yet. But he said one day, all of a sudden, the eyes would begin to get a sharper look and the tongue would begin to flick out and test the air. And the next thing you know, that thing has grabbed that little rat or that rabbit and wrapped itself around it and began to break bones and press the air out of the lungs. And he said, it's amazing because that little rat got to the point where it felt like there was no danger in that snake. Friend, Paul said sin, that it appears sin. The devil has tried to make sin look glamorous. The devil's tried to make sin look like it's appealing. I'm just telling you, anything that'll send me to hell is not appealing. Anything that'll cause me to lose my soul for eternity is not appealing. Anything that'll cause my family to get busted up is not appealing. Anything that'll cause my children to spend eternity in a fire is not appealing. But the devil's got some people believing, oh, there's not any harm in that. You can play with that. You can do this and that. No, brother, let me tell you right now. If there's anything, stay further away from it. Stay further in the last hours, the hours we're living in. You ought to be doing more to stay away from hell, more to stay away from the devil, more to stay away from sin. It's not an hour to get comfortable with sin. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord just a little bit. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, <clears throat> and we have, a, we have a mutual buddy that I hadn't seen in a while and heard from him in a while, and the last I saw him, he was going to church, doing good. Him and the pastor were fishing together, and they were raising chickens together and doing all kinds of stuff out in the country. And I asked my friend, I said, well, have you talked to this guy lately? And he said, oh, yeah, I talked to him. I said, well, how's he doing? Is he going to church? Nope, not going to church. I said, not going to church? What in the world? He said, well, the pastor offended him because he mentioned something to him that he thought he needed to get control of in his life, and he got offended and left. And when he told me what it was, I thought, man, that's not a good trade. That for eternity? That for your family? That for your children? I'm just going to tell somebody. People are getting lost over things that are not worth a dime. They're getting lost over things that are nothing but vanity. They're being lost over things that are no good anyway. Praise God. Getting offended at the ministry. Getting offended at the man of God because he's trying to help you go to heaven. He's trying to help you get your family to heaven. I'm telling you now, you want a man of God that'll tell you the truth. You want a man of God, even though it don't feel good, he'll preach to you righteousness, praise God. You want a man of God that'll look you in the eyes say, brother, you can't do that. You don't want to do that. It's not good. 
thank the Lord right now for the ministry you have here, the pastor, the bishop, the other ministry that's in this building. I think we ought to be thankful every day for a man of God that'll tell us the truth, for a man of God that'll get us out of hell. You're not my friend if you send my family to hell. You're not my friend if you let me go to hell over nothing. This young man got offended at that pastor when that pastor had been good to him, had spent time with him, had had, had, had him in his home, fed him and his family. I mean, he went way beyond normal trying to help this young man. And now over something silly, he got offended and he's left. But I re look back in the Word, and the Word said we're ministering to people who oppose themselves. Ministering to people who oppose themselves. You're killing yourself, and you're getting mad at me for telling you. Oh, my Lord, anybody want to go to heaven today? You ought, to make, you ought to get up every morning and say, I'm not going to get offended today. We're living in an offended world. We're living in an offended society. We need to get some backbone. Oh, my Lord. We need to get our minds straightened out. You're not going to offend me. You ought to go by this man of God every once in a while and tell him, Preacher, you preach anything you want. If you're in the book, you're not going to offend me. You're not going to get me mad and run me off. I'm going to go to heaven. You're going to have to look at me every Sunday because I'm going to be here and I'm going to make it. Praise God. Come on, let's love the Lord a little bit in Jesus' name. The devil is an enemy, but he's not as bad as the flesh. The third thing that's really, really, really working to take away your eternity is time. Time is not your friend. Time is not your friend. This brother over here this morning was telling about a man on the job, died with a heart attack, just barely 50 years old. Some of the people on the job just couldn't understand it. Why? At such a young age, he's leaving. Friend, we're not guaranteed another day, another hour. In 46 years of ministry and pastoring four different churches, I've buried some young ones and I've buried some old ones. I've walked through the cemetery and looked at them. That one but 30 years old. I wonder what happened. I've gone to the hospital with families and prayed and prayed and prayed when 20-year-old young people have died in car wrecks. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed next week. None of you are living on a, on a, on a time schedule where you know how long you're going to be here. We have no idea. There's people today that have great intentions. I know some people that are good people, but they're not right with God, and they know they're not, but Brother Kurt, they got good intentions. I intend to get it right. I intend to go ask that brother to forgive me. I intend to go talk to that sister and let her know that I'm sorry I hurt her. I intend to get my children praying. I intend to get my wife back where she needs to be. She's getting a little cold. She's missing church way too easy now. I, I, I intend, but you intend, but intentions will not get you to heaven. Good thoughts will not get you to heaven. Saying you're going to pray about it on Facebook will not get you to heaven praise God you got to get up and put some action to it you got to get up and take care of it oh my Lord I feel an urgency in the spirit today to tell somebody time is running out on you time is not your friend
My wife and I lived in Alexandria, Louisiana for about nine months. Went to Brother and Sister Mangan's church. Saw them praying and prayed with them. For a while, I was doing baptisms for him, sometime 30 on a Sunday night. People coming by bunches, praying through the Holy Ghost, going on the buses, getting people to come to church. One Saturday, I needed a haircut real bad. I was getting woolly. And there was a barber shop about halfway between my house and the church. So on Saturday afternoon late, I told my wife, I'm going to run down if he still opens, if he'll give me a haircut. I got there, and he told me he had about 30 minutes. He'd be glad to cut my hair, and I went in. I sat down, and we were just having a conversation. And then I mentioned something about church, and he said, well, where do you go to church? And I told him. And evidently, he'd had some kind of bad experience with somebody from that church. And he began to rant and rave and curse vile cursing. And I, I mean, I, I was in the world. I know all the words and know how to use them. I just don't want to. I don't need them. If I can't say it and let it stand on its own, I don't need to say it. If you got to dress it up with a bunch of cuss words, it ain't worth saying. But he was throwing stuff. And I said, wait, well, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, I, I didn't do any of that. No, but you're going there. He gave me the most botched up, butchered haircut I have ever seen in my life and expected me to pay him for it. I walked out of there, and when I walked in the house, my wife said, what in the world happened to your head? I told her the story. She said, well, it's too late to go anywhere else and get it fixed, and I'm not going to try so the next morning we got up and went to church, me with my bad haircut and all. And on the way home, we're driving by that barber shop, and on the front door of that barber shop is a black wreath. So I did a little inquiry, and I went to the store next door. I said, hey, I saw this wreath on the barber's door here. He said he died in his sleep last night. He didn't die because he gave me a bad haircut. He didn't die because he was mad at the church. He died because his time was up. And what he didn't realize was when he was doing all that cussing and all that carrying on, he was in the last hours of life on this earth. Friend, time is not on your side. Time is not your friend. If you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't be sitting on a pew. You ought to be coming down that aisle already. I need to pray. I need to get right. I need to take advantage of every moment I have. If your children are not right with God, there ought to be an urgency in your heart. If your wife is backslid, there ought to be an urgency in your heart. Oh, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. I want my musicians to come. I'm going to close. But I'm telling you now, time is not on your side. Time is not on your side. I preached a revival in East Texas several years ago. I'm not going to name the place. I won't name the people involved. We had a seven-week revival. It was a breakthrough revival. Had people receiving the Holy Ghost and 
people getting healed and all kinds of stuff. It was an incredible move of God. There was an older gentleman there, and his son was in the church, and something happened. He got out, but he, he began to get stirred again. I'd ran into him one day and talking to him, and, and he told me, he said, before that revival's over, I'm coming now. And I said, you don't need to wait too late. You need to come on. His father sat on the end of the altar. He'd never had the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night and cried and prayed. And I prayed with him and the pastor prayed with him. Some of the church prayed with him. And he just finally wore out. He didn't have any more strength. Old. I sat down beside him. I said, you know, I hate leaving it like this. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You've never been baptized. He said, well, preacher, let me, let me help your feelings. He said, I talked to my boy yesterday, and he told me, Daddy, it's time for me to get back in church and get things straightened out. And he said, my boy's coming Sunday with full intentions of getting back in right with God. He said, I've made my mind up. I'm getting baptized next Sunday morning. My boy's going to get in that altar, and I'm going to get in there with him, and I just believe with my boy helping me and you helping me and the pastor, I believe I can get the Holy Ghost. Something touched my heart. I said, you know what? I'd really rather let you rest a minute and then let's, let's pray a little more. Let me talk to you a little bit first. And then let's pray a little more and see if we can't get you full of the Holy Ghost tonight. Then Sunday morning, you can get baptized or you can do it Thursday night or whatever. And your boy can come and he can get right. I said, I don't feel good about leaving it like this. No, 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 preacher, don't, don't get worried. Don't get concerned. We got worked out already. Me and my boy talked about it. He's coming Sunday morning. He's told me, he said, I've got a couple of things that got to get squared away this week, but I'm coming Sunday morning, and I'm going to get back in there and get right, get where I need to be. And he said, Daddy, I'm going to help you get the Holy Ghost and watch you get baptized. That was Sunday night. Thursday morning early, my phone rang. The pastor <coughs> said, Brother Phillips, could you, could you possibly come Friday morning and help me with the funeral? The family has liked your preaching and liked you, and they asked if it'd be okay, and I told them be fine if you want to help with the funeral. Friday morning, I said, well, whose funeral are we having? And he told me, and it was that man I sat by on the altar Sunday night. Time is not on your side. Intentions. There's a race going on right now between time and good intentions. Your good intentions are great. They're right. But all our time's closing in, I'm telling you now. Traffic like you guys got here, every time you get in that car, death is six feet away from you across that line. I just got to tell somebody, there's an urgency. I've been doing this a long time now. 
I don't get messed up over just feelings, but there's an urgency I feel in the Holy Ghost this morning. Somebody needs to get up and say, I've waited long enough. Time's not waiting on me. I've got to get it right now. I've got to get baptized. I've got to get the Holy Ghost. I've got to get things squared away with my wife or my daughter or whatever. I've got to get it straight because time is not waiting. Let's stand all over the building. God said he'd never leave us, never forsake us. Friend, God's with you right now. God's urging you. I believe there's somebody sitting on that pew that's feeling the same thing I am. You got a little feeling of urgency in you this morning. Why don't you come on? Why don't you get it straightened out? Why don't you make moves like you need to move? Why don't you do what you know you need to do and get it squared away with God? Because time is not on your side. Time is not on your side. I'm opening these altars. There's people that ought to be heading down that aisle right now because I'm telling you, I, I'd love to preach a message and everybody run and everybody dance and have great victory, but I'd rather preach to you the truth and let you know that time is creeping up on you. Time is sneaking up at the back door. Time is ticking away. Every second that clock moves, you're closer to eternity. Every hour that passes on the watch, you're closer to eternity. You do not have time. You do not have time to play with God. You don't have time to go any further. You don't have time to come tell me, preacher, you preached a good message, but I know you need God in your life. Come on, let's pray. You ought to be calling on God. If you have children that don't have the Holy Ghost, you ought to be bringing them to the altar. You teach them how to hunt. You teach them how to fish. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to seek God. We got people here this morning that'll pray with you. We got people here this morning that'll tell you how to pray. Oh, we can't tell you how to get the Holy Ghost. We can't make you speak in tongues, but we can tell you how to get there. We can tell you what you need to get done. You need to repent. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And you shall, you shall, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If you never prayed hard before, you ought to be praying hard right now. You never cried out with all of your heart, you ought to be crying out with all your heart right now. You never screamed it out, oh God, I need you, I want you. It ought to be doing it this morning because time, 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 oh my Lord, time's creeping up on you. Come on, come on, come on in Jesus' name. This, these altars ought to be full of people. You ought to be praying back in that pew if you don't want to come at the altar. You ought to be praying right there. Lord God, I want you. Lord God, I need you. Lord God, I've been a little loose. I need to get back where I need to be. God, I got a little lackadaisical. I need to get back in here. Go talk to the pastor. Pastor, I need to pray. Pastor, I need God. Oh! God of heaven in Jesus' name. 
Come on, come on, come on. Come on, there's people who need to be crying out to God. You don't need to be praying quiet. You need to be calling on God. You need to be calling on God. Lord, wash me in the blood. Oh, God, forgive me of my sins. God, cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Look around and find somebody near you that's praying. Look around and find somebody near you that's praying. Talk to them. Talk to them. Let God deal with them. Let God move in them. Let God fill them with the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. your wife by the hand and bring her to the altar honey we've been getting a little slack we need to tighten up here honey we've been getting things going we don't need going we need to get back in here come on friend time 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 is not waiting on you time is not waiting on you time is not waiting on you.